Hey there, Brain Changer. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so happy you're here. This is the show where we learn exactly how to live our best thought lives. It's for the busy mama, the amazing Nana, the on-fire entrepreneur and Christian leader, as well as anybody who needs a dose of encouragement and inspiration. We hear from real-life folks about their journeys to emotional health, wholeness, and strength. Stay tuned. Today, Janelle Banks and I chat about the loss of her conjoined twin sons, Josiah and Josias, in 2015. What gripped my heart during this interview was Janelle's awe-inspiring trust in God and her strong faith and acceptance of His ways, even when faced with losing her babies. Janelle Banks is a former public school special education teacher and now a homeschool mom and teacher and a homemaker. She's wife to Joseph Banks Jr. and the mother of five children. She and Joseph host a Love Worth Dying For podcast, which is a marriage and family podcast supporting a biblical worldview. Janelle enjoys spending time with her family and friends and serving in the children's and women's ministries at church. And without further ado, here she is. Welcome to the Choose to Think podcast, Janelle Banks. It is so good to have you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, I tell you what, you know, Janelle, I'm just getting to know her. And I mean, really just getting to know her, our paths crossed in a, in a podcasting group that we're on in, on Facebook. And she has such a good story, an interesting story, a powerful story to, to share. And she also has a podcast, obviously. And so I want to talk about the podcast first, and then I'm going to get into the otherwise more personal and inspiring story that that uh, you can share with with my listeners here today. So tell us about your podcast, Janelle, and tell us about your husband, your family, and just take it from there if you don't mind. Okay. Well, um, I'm Janelle Banks, as already mentioned, and my husband is Joseph Banks, and we have five children. And we started a podcast last year during the pandemic. It was something we had actually started a little bit before the pandemic. I think like maybe a couple years before, but we never released it to anyone except a few friends that we kind of got some feedback from. But we have always just desired to do something surrounding marriage and family And um, during the pandemic, the opportunity came, the time was, you know, we had the time to do it. And we decided to start a podcast called A Love Worth Dying For, where we talk about everything, marriage and family. Obviously, we haven't gone over every single thing yet, but um, it's our heart desire to address those things. We see how important the family structure is Um, And just how marriage reflects um, the relationship between Christ and uh, and the body, the church. And we felt like there were a lot of couples that we knew personally that were having a lot of struggles. Some of them ended in divorce. Um, But we felt like there was something that we could do to help and inspire couples to really seek out ways that they could come together together 
they could love one another the way um, Christ loves the church and that they can show the hope and the joy and the love that Christ has for his people through their marriages. Tell me this, Janelle, what is it like to work with your husband in this way, which is something new? It's like, it's so creative and you're in it together. What is that like? Okay. So honestly, sometimes it's a little stressful, <laughs> but sure. when, when we get over the, the uh, I guess the communication and figuring out exactly what we want to do and who's doing what, it's actually fun and exciting to be able to share that time and to do something that we felt would be honoring to God. And, and we, 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 don't take for granted that he has allowed us this time and this opportunity. So we definitely are praying about the podcast and direction for where God wants us to go. And um, obviously with five children, our time commitment, um, the amount of time we have to commit to it and um, just being able to do it and do it well in a way that people can get something out of it, and then God will get the ultimate glory from it. But it's definitely a challenge at times, but it's also rewarding and exciting. What have you learned about your husband during this process? Uh-oh, there's a big pause there. <laughs> You're going to have to okay. think on that one, right? I had to think about that. Um, <laughs> okay, so what have I learned I knew he was a multitasker. However, just seeing how he's all the different things that he's doing, it it's very interesting. And then also learning that I like more laid out structure, like for like doing our podcast. For me, it's like, okay, let's have an outline. Let's kind of look at all the points we want to address. And for him, it's like, hey, what's the topic? And let's go. <laughs> learning that for him, having an outline sometimes makes him feel like he has to stick with the outline. Whereas for me, having the outline is just so I have a way of where we're going, but I don't intend to stick to the outline, which is kind of interesting because he's like, well, why do you do an outline if you're not always going to stick to it? <laughs> it sounds like you're a perfect combination of both. That's <laughs> right. like a, yeah. What a good team there. What do your kids say about your podcast and how old are they? Okay. So the oldest just turned 15 and then we have one that's 11 and then the twins are 10 and then the youngest is eight. So for my oldest, she thinks it's kind of cool. She even tossed around the idea of doing a podcast herself. Uh, she's really into history and colonial times and things like that. And she uh, is also an artist and is into theater and drama and stuff like that. So she's tossed around the idea of combining history and drama together. But um, only the future and the Lord really knows if, you know, she will go something, go somewhere with that as far as podcasting. Um, they like the idea for them. I think even one time they asked, are you going to have us on your podcast? I think at one point, and we were like, we'll see, maybe. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, my kids also, actually, they gave me the idea and, but they don't want to be on the podcast. I don't think I could twist their arms to, to get on here. And I love to tell stories about them or share different things that they've done, but sometimes it's hard because I don't want to you know, tell their story and it gets to be a little tricky sometimes with family stuff. I don't know if you've had that issue where it's like, you want to protect the privacy yeah, of your family or. I think so. There, there's been times where I, I, I wondered if I was oversharing. Um, I try not to just considering, you know, I have family that maybe they don't even listen to the podcast, but if they ever did, they may be like, whoa, I can't believe she shared that. Um, so I do try to keep that in mind, not to overshare, but still try to be transparent in some way so that, uh, our listeners can see the humanness in us. Yes. And I think that's important. You and I are on the same base on that one, I believe. Yeah. And I want to segue a little bit into a much more serious and intimate topic. And I understand that you have a podcast episode about this very issue. I did not listen to that episode intentionally because I wanted you and I just to chat, just kind of friend to friend or new acquaintance to new acquaintance and just have me kind of be my curious self and be driven maybe by the Lord here in all of this. But I think that it was in 2015 that you lost conjoined twins. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Would you mind unpacking that and starting from the beginning and share that with us? And I also, Janelle, I want to be so sensitive around this topic, the topic of grief and recovery is, it's a bit tricky to navigate, or at least I found that as a podcast host. And I've talked with two, I've had two interviews to date, I believe, regarding this topic. And I want to be really mindful of your feelings and the emotions that may be conjured up. I know it's been several years But nevertheless, that almost doesn't matter. So you feel completely at ease and at liberty to share what you are prompted to share. And if I go in a direction you don't want to go, just let me know. But I know what I do know is that the message that you have to share is one of God's redemptive love for you and for your family. And I know that you lean on him and you look to God when times are tough and difficult. And especially during a time when, you know, there's no parent on this earth who wants to go through what you've been through. I did lose a baby um, in in utero Mm. about 17 weeks of age. That's how, you know, that was my pregnancy stage. And that was very difficult. But I... I don't know, you know, we can't really even compare pain and compare grief. They're just absolutely incomparable. But there may be someone listening who has lost a baby and will be inspired by your message. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing from the moment you know that that you're pregnant, and I'm not sure where these twins, what were their names again? Josiah and Josias. Josiah and Josias. I'm not sure where they were in the lineup. I guess, would they have been your last, actually? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking of the numbers here, since you have the eight year old. Right. But um, so I'd love to know if what you feel like sharing with us about about that experience and uh, whatever you feel like comfortable sharing. Okay. Well, for us, it was you know, in 2015, and we found out that we were expecting. And obviously, already having five kids is like, you you know, you're going through the thoughts of, okay, how are we going to make this work in a three-bedroom home? And at the time, we had a van, but we would have needed to get a bigger van. And I remember just going to the, um, what do you call them? Okay. Now I'm, I'm losing my thought. And what, uh, the The OBGYN or OBGYN, but also they also do the ultrasound and they do the special monitoring for high risk moms, because I'm also a type one diabetic. So that puts me at a, in a high risk phase. So I was going in there to get the ultrasound. And usually with the diabetic, they usually do the ultrasounds fairly early. So we found out that we were having conjoined twins. They were probably about maybe maybe six to eight weeks, probably. I'm trying to see if I, my memory fails me. I may have to look back at notes at a later time, but it, it was pretty early that we found out that we were having conjoined twins. We didn't share with a lot of people just because it, it, it was a lot for us to even process and and not really knowing just where things would go because from the doctor's standpoint, they didn't really see the point of um, furthering the pregnancy. They didn't use the word abortion, but the term was, do you want to move forward? And it was understood that that meant, do you want to continue the pregnancy? For me, that wasn't even an option, but at the same time in my mind, I was like, where, where, where does God want for me to be? And if I can rewind a little bit, we were at a church prior to um, having my daughter, my first child, and she was born in 2006. And I want to say maybe about 2008, we ended up at the church that we're at now. That was the best decision that my husband probably have ever made for our whole family to date. And I say that because I have grown tremendously in my spiritual knowledge and my spiritual walk since being there. And because of that, I think that made a difference in the way I responded to finding out that we were having conjoined twins. And on my way to the um, OBGYN, I recall just thinking about what it would be like to have, um, you know, another baby, but also thinking in my head, what if I have another set of twins? Because we already had a set of twins. And in my family, my mom always said, well, between myself and my other sisters, she said, one of you are going to have twins. 
And we also have relatives that have multiple sets of twins. So the the thought of me having another set of twins did come to mind. Um, And I had desired at one time to have identical twins. And from my knowledge of conjoined twins, they're basically considered uh, identical twins because it's almost like they don't fully split if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> um, and I thought that was very interesting because in my heart desired, I felt like if I have another set of twins, it would be nice to have identical twins. The idea of having twins that look alike just seemed um, interesting to me. It seemed like a neat idea. Um, I know my daughter desired to have sisters and, um, you know, God gave her another set of brothers. So it's just interesting to just see how God works and how even with our heart desires, sometimes we get some of those things, but then other times we don't. Um, And then we don't fully understand exactly what God is doing. But as a believer, like I said, we ended up at a church where my spiritual walk had started to really increase so that when we did become pregnant with conjoined twins, although a lot of people probably would have responded differently to finding out, for me, it was like, okay, how is God going to grow me and the people who are going to witness this walk? And that was kind of like in my mind, I was like, okay, Lord, I know, you know, some of us plants and water, but you get the increase. And all I was thinking is, how is God going to be able to um, just be glorified in this whole thing? And for me, I I tried to keep the best mindset, the best um, outlook. I remember even in one of my ultrasounds, just kind of giggling and laughing with the um, ultrasound tech. Um, hoping to make her more comfortable because I could sense that a lot of the people working with me, they weren't really comfortable maybe with the situation or or maybe how to relate to me. And it's interesting because these same people worked with me with my other children, some of my my, um, boys. So seeing their response, I knew it wasn't normal. It was because of the circumstances that we were in. And I remember one of the boys kind of in the ultrasound waving his hand and, and kind of shaking the bottom. And, you know, we kind of giggled at that. Um, and that was a moment where I realized like, Hey, they, they are having a hard time as well. And it's not just a situation just about me. Although for me, it was personal. Um, it made me just think about for every person that I encounter, how can I share the love of God and how can I have joy um, through the situation? Let me ask you this, Janelle, mm-hmm. because your your response seems extraordinary to me. And I wonder where you develop that mindset. And I'm talking about the mindset of asking, what can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. How can God be glorified as opposed to the response or 
you know, that emotionally charged response of why God, why me, why is this happening? Right. Those sorts of, you know, to, to put your mind in that direction. Where did you develop that skill? I, I think it has a lot to do with my mom. And I say that because a lot of times when we were growing up, we, my mom raised myself and my sister by herself. My other three older sisters, um, I guess we're kind of like, 20 years apart age-wise. So they had already left the house and um, we, we had some struggles financially. And um, my mom always looked to prayer and she always said, everything happens for a reason. I didn't realize this till like later on that I kind of maybe got this from her um, but I, I could see that that's probably where I got it from. And I'm not even sure if all my sisters see things in a way that I do, but it's just interesting that even though, you know, people are raised in the same household or the same parents, some of us, uh, respond to certain things in different way. And for me, I've always looked at it as, you know, every disappointment is for a good. And that was what my mom would say. Did you do that from the very beginning, Janelle? I mean, from the get-go, that's how you internalized it? Or did you have any other type of emotional response that, like a breakdown or anything along those lines or no? No. um, For me, as far as breakdown, there were times that I, I had... I guess, struggled with how to relate to it because a lot of times I was thinking, well, am I going to have a natural uh, miscarriage? Because that was what the doctors were saying. They weren't really sure. They said um, that either you can go to full term and the babies can live or, you know, they could die at any time. So I think in a sense, I was grieving that they may not even survive, but I didn't really know that for sure. Um, We had a lot of people around us praying and we were doing a lot of praying for things to change as far as their anatomy and the possibility. Because I'm not sure how familiar you are with conjoined twins, but there are some that have been separated. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Um, no, so I don't have know. Been separated successfully. Okay. So for us, initially, our prayer was that somehow either they will have, you know, all the vital uh, body parts and organs to survive to where they could possibly be separated. Um, I'm not really sure at what stage things kind of change. And like I said, we were still going to church and things like that. And um, I remember a, a member at my church had asked, how can I pray for you? And I remember at some point saying, just pray that the will of God be done. Um, so I guess it's like having a point where you're just praying almost for a miracle and then something, um, something happened. And I know I was listening to different 
songs and I'm not really sure where, where things kind of shifted exactly, but I ended up shifting to where it was like, okay, whatever God's will for their lives or even my own life, um, because I ended up like later on having some health struggles, um, within the pregnancy, I ended up having where, I guess it was almost like I was going to have, um, like a early delivery. I'm, I'm lost for the term that it's called, but you know, where you go into early preterm labor is what, Mm. uh, and I ended up in the hospital and that experience was very, very interesting. Um, the end result for that experience was that I ended up changing doctors. And while I was in the hospital, for some reason, they, I guess in the labor and delivery area, they didn't have enough rooms available. So I ended up in a room with a woman that was giving birth. Um, And that was very interesting. And as I look back, I kind of think like, wow, God knew I wouldn't have the opportunity to deliver, but I was able to experience it through another woman being in the same room. And I I could just, I remember the nurse kind of getting upset a little bit with the woman because she was making a lot of noise, obviously, um, going through the delivery. And um, I, I don't think she ended up with an epidural. So she was going through it naturally. And I remember just kind of tearing up and just being like, no, it's okay. Um, and just feeling like, wow, like God is allowing me to experience that at the time. I didn't know that, you know, my boys wouldn't live. I knew obviously that since they were conjoined, the plan was to have a C-section. So I knew I wouldn't, um, if I went into labor, that it wouldn't be for very long um, to, to fully experience that. Um, and then later on, there was another woman that was brought in because they didn't have a room available. She had already had her baby, but I was able to have a woman right next to me that was nursing her baby. And that was something that really bothered me after I delivered was it, it was, I don't know, I guess it's like a natch. I had nursed my other children and it was like a, a longing to hold a baby after a loss and um, to be able to nurse. And as I think back, I just think like, wow, God allowed me that that moment in time to be right there with someone else. And, and I probably interpret stuff a little bit differently than other people. Um, but I just saw God's grace in that, um, in, in that experience to be able to experience that, um, knowing that after having the twins, I think that that was probably where I had the hardest time was after delivery. Um, and, and knowing that they wouldn't be there, I think that that really was the hardest point for me. Because at that point, it was the reality of okay, this is how um, this is how things ended. I guess, um, even though I know we prayed for God's will, 
we didn't know what God's will would be. And before we go on, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. Were the babies actually born on that day when you went into premature labor? Pre-term no, labor? they weren't. So, um, and I don't have like the date uh, off the top of my head, but um, I was probably, so they were born in October. I want to say it may have been around August or something like that. So, you know, getting pretty close to, you know, end of term, if you will. And I made the decision to leave the practice that we were at because during that point in time, the the staff that worked at the hospital that I guess was also maybe affiliated with the practice I was attending, um, they... I, I recall it being where the, the doctor basically was like, there is no hope. Um, and I remember crying at that point in time. And I wish I, I could have responded differently to him. Um, but when I told him, you know, we don't know exactly what um, the end result would be, but we're hopeful. And he said, there is no hope. And that really was was crushing, um, and it made me feel like if he feels like there's no hope, then I don't think that he would be the best or they would be the best people to help care for us just because of having that mindset. It, it tells me like if there was something that could be done to help my boys, that they probably wouldn't be... Um, willing maybe to do it just because their mindset was set on there is no hope. And um, they probably saw me as a crazy woman maybe in, in carrying our boys to term. I'm not really sure. I didn't ask them what they thought, but just the idea that um, they saw it as no hope, um, that made me decide to go with another practice. Um, and we were very pleased with that practice. Now, I can't say what anyone really thinks or believe, but I think anyone that has life um, that they're carrying in them, you would want for the people caring for you to show some kind of respect for that life, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, yeah. I totally get that. And there is power and in in our tongue, there's life and death in our tongue. And I can see where that would have been very destructive thing to say and a hurtful thing to say, because if we don't have hope, I mean, we have hope because by virtue of being Christians, but even just the basic human drive, we all want to have hope. So let's not take that from us, please. Take us then to where you were actually, you had the Mm C-section and did, so you actually went into labor then, or was it a scheduled C-section? No, we didn't have it scheduled. And I ended up going into labor at home. And it's interesting at that moment in time, I ended up connecting with some other uh, families that 
have conjoined twins. Um, one of the ladies in particular, her girls have been separated and, um, you know, they're living um, as separated conjoined twins. And um, she she was very helpful in just kind of helping me just process, because at that point it gets real when, you know, you're about to deliver and I'm just so grateful for uh, just having her during that time. I eventually went in and one of my sisters that live in South Carolina, she was able to come um, in the hospital. The nurses stayed with um, my kids because they also came along with us until my sister got there and then she stayed with them. So my kids were pretty much there. And the reason we wanted my kids to be apart, and this was something for me that kind of was very important from the beginning. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that my mom had a stillborn. So my youngest sister, because I'm the baby of the family by default, my youngest sister was uh, a stillborn. And I remember growing up, the story was that my mom told me that um, I came to her while she was in her room crying. And I asked, why are you always crying, crying over the baby? Now, prior to that, my mom actually had my sister and I to see my baby sister at the hospital. Um, she said that she knew that we would have questions because obviously there, our mom went into the hospital and then, you know, we would be wondering what happened to the baby. So she felt like it was important for us to see. And although I don't remember all the conversations or anything like that, I felt like for us as Christians, we, 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 we should look at life and death differently. And we tried to explain things to our kids. We tried to, once we found out we were having conjoined twins, we tried to educate ourselves, educate them, um, and just go to scripture to read about different, um, different stories or instances about different um, people and how God, um, God's miraculous work um, showed his glory. And for us, it was like, hey, this this is a time for us to be able to to explain to our kids that we don't have control over life or death. Now we can pray for life for Josiah and Josias. And at the time we hadn't named them, but you know, we could pray for them. And um we we needed to be able to tell our kids that we we were going to trust and depend on God. And that was important for us. And I think it just had a lot to do with the church we are at and the teaching there. And um, yeah, the teaching is it, it, really sound. Um, and I'm just so grateful for the people there and their impact on our lives. Now, I remember you asking earlier about did I always have, um, I guess, that mindset? And I, the, the aspect of the joy, 
I don't think really came fully until later on. However, I think it was always there, although I didn't focus on it. And I say that because of the hope that I had and the joy that I had with being able to carry our boys. And God just allowed me to be able to appreciate just every single day that I was able to carry them, even though I wasn't really sure if the next day, if their life would be over or not. Just focusing in on um, one verse that I remember just having in my mind, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And a lot of times I had that verse because I think we share this. We both being former teachers, but for me, I was in uh, a high school as a teacher and I was actually working during this moment in time. And there were some struggles that I was going through as far as trying to figure out whether I wanted to continue being a teacher. And this was before having our boys um, that I, I was having some struggles there. We were already homeschooling, but my husband was working from home, homeschooling, and we were trying to figure out how would we make things work where I could come home and homeschool, which I'm doing now. Yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting when you think about people's lives and their stories, like even though my focus and on my life and story is surrounding that, there was obviously other things going on in my life prior to um, that, that really impacted it. Considering that my mom, my biggest cheerleader in life passed away in 2003, that really um, helped me in processing the loss of my boys in which in a sense, after taking a grief share class, I realized that in a sense, I was kind of grieving the loss of their life while even carrying them, considering I didn't know when their life would end, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And at what point did you know that they would not be able to be separated? Was it after birth? No. Well, it, well, at, after birth, they were considered stillborn. So I guess I would say at, obviously then. Um, I think for me, I, I was always hopeful on whatever God's will would be. Um, however, we did go for some, I guess you'd call it like testing, just to get like a deeper look of their anatomy. And from there, they said that they could only see one heart. So if they were to be separated, then one obviously wouldn't be able to survive without a heart. Um, so I, I guess at that point in my mind, it was like, okay, because in it, we didn't, in our minds, we wouldn't want to make the decision of, well, which child would live and which would die. And there are some people that make those types of decisions. It just wasn't something for us. We felt like if if God wanted for them to live, then he would make the way for both of them to be able to do that and not for us to kind of make those sort of decisions. But um, 
in the end, we didn't have to make that decision because um, they didn't live beyond delivery. And they shared the heart. That was the vital organ that they shared. Yes, they shared the heart. Mm. Yeah, that brought tears to my eyes, too, because that's just also a sweet picture, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What would you say, Janelle, to someone, perhaps a listener now, who has lost a baby mm-hmm. or who has hope kind of pulled from their life or, you know, like feeling hopeless mm-hmm. or someone in a situation that seems really desperate What might you say to that individual? For me, I would say that there's always hope, and that hope is found in Jesus, knowing that um, he's shown us his love in what he's done on the cross. And I know a lot of times people think of Christianity and they think of Jesus and they only think the end of their life, but the hope that he gives us allows us to live through this, this life. Um, he, in his word, he gives us, um, he gives us like a peace and a comfort and he tells us to come to him. Um, and for me, that means going to his word as often as possible daily and being able to just understand him as much as I can. I know there's some aspects of God that is incomprehensible, um, but I think that's also the beauty in him to help us to see that he's greater than us. This life is bigger than us. And if we could hold on to the, the promises in his word that he gives us for peace and comfort and that his grace is sufficient, that we can make it through those tough times. And knowing that grieving is normal, hurting, pain is normal, but God wants us to trust him and to trust him wholly. And for us to bring that grief and that pain um, to him and that he will give us that peace um, and that sound mind um, that we need through his word. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is a sweet, sweet message. And I really appreciate, Janelle, your openness and sharing this journey. It's been captivating. And I don't know the statistics on conjoined twins. I I was at once relieved that you found support, the support group with the church, yes, but then also with the particular group, and you were able to journey a bit with them as well. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I do sincerely appreciate that you've shared this, and I hope that the listeners, as they you know, press close on this app that where they're listening or the the episode ends that they are left with the message that here is one shining star, Janelle Banks, her husband, her family, who are really amazing creatures and gifts of 
people, individuals that God has given to us. And as they've walked through this, I'm sure that others were indeed inspired by your you know, the tenacity of saying, you know what, this is what God says about my babies. This is what God says about me. And this is what God says about our situation. And we're not letting go of that. We're not letting go of who God says he is in all of this either. That is an amazing tribute to God, to the God that we serve. And I really appreciate how you've, how you've shared. And I hope that I'm quite certain that others will be equally inspired by your very moving and tender message of hope. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it may, when you talked about our light shining, it made me think of Matthew five sixteen. let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. And for me, just keeping my mind on God's word and that we were all put here for a reason, for a purpose, but the main purpose being to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. And keeping that on the forefront is is definitely what keeps us going. I'm guessing that you probably know someone who has lost a baby. Would you take a moment to send them a text, a message, or an email, letting them know about this episode? It may be just the story they need to hear right now in order to find hope, comfort, and courage in their own walk. Thank you so much. And you can listen to the Love Worth Dying For podcast on any app, and you can reach Janiel at a love worth dying for at gmail.com. Also, give her a shout out in our Fired Up Mind and Choose to Think podcast group on Facebook. All the links are in the show notes. And hey, if you'd like to set up a free 60-minute one-on-one thought strategy session with me and walk away with a thought blueprint, visit www.victoriad.com dwalker.com slash coaching for all the details and to sign up. And until next time, keep living your best thought life. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.